You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. It's not about the number of fish um, that you catch. Um, it's really just about, I know this sounds hokey, but it's really just about the journey getting there. I mean, I, when I wake up in the mornings and get ready to go fishing, as many times, thousands of times as I've been on the river, I am just as excited when I wake up in the morning knowing that I'm getting ready to go fishing <laughs> as I was the, the day that I went on the South Holston or was headed out to the Middle Provo to meet up with Jim Smith. I mean, I still get that excited. And sometimes I get, I mean, even the night before um, and the, the alarm goes off, I don't hit snooze, I'm out of the bed and, um, and raring, raring to go. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Well, we've got Susan Thrasher out of Nashville, Tennessee on the program this week. She runs Southern Brookies guide, author of Thrasher's Fly Fishing Guide, and instructor with Wolf School of Fly Fishing. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, the top 10 downloads from these cities this week. We want to thank folks in Omaha, Nebraska for listening to the podcast. Price, Utah, Thornhill, Ontario, Janesville, Wisconsin, Mission, BC, Arlington, Texas, Dublin, Ireland, Pleasant Grove, Utah, Dixon, Illinois, and North Allerton, UK. Hey everyone, this is Nate from theflycrate.com. I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the podcast and want to let you know about our new membership option called the Mix and Match subscription. For $19.95 a month, you will receive $30 of the Flycrate store credit. For $19.95, $30 to spend on our site, and you will be able to choose 100% of what you want, and each and every month you'll receive those flies or it will, you know, it will roll over in a crew. But this is a great way to pick exactly what you want and save money on the fly crate without having to worry about the commitment. Just go to our website, theflycrate.com, and navigate to our homepage, and you'll see a, a selection there that says $30 fly crate credit. Just select that option and navigate through. It's your hard-earned money, and this gives you more for more for your buck. So anyway, go to theflycrate.com and find the icon with the $30 store credit. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in this time around. We want to welcome to the podcast Susan Thrasher. Susan is out of Nashville, Tennessee. She runs Southern Brookies, uh, is a guide, author of Thrasher's Fly Fishing Guide. Check it out, coming to stores soon. Susan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast tonight. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've been excited about it. You know what? When uh, when I heard about your book coming out, I th- I thought it'd be great that we can kind of have this chat and talk about it. But what I like to do on the podcast, Susan, before we get into your book and the good things that you've been up to in Nashville, Tennessee and surrounding area, is find out how you f- came to discover fly fishing. How did you come to the sport, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, sure. I'm happy to tell it. Um well, I I had been fishing ever since I can remember as a little girl, um, just more with con- conventional tackle. But as, I mean, from the my earliest memories, I can be uh, remember fishing with my dad, 
either um, in the lake or in a pond or whenever we'd go to visit my um, my grandmother and, and granddad in Mobile, Alabama and go out to either Fairhope Pier or out in uh, at Dolphin Island or Gulf Shores. And, you know, that's the way that I was brought up fishing. But um, I was uh, living in Virginia Beach and my parents are back in um, in Bristol, uh, Virginia, uh, at Bristol, Tennessee. It's a twin city, Bristol. But anyway, they invited me to come back home for the weekend. And my dad's a retired pastor. And one of the fellows from, um, from the church had invited us to go fly fishing. And I'd always thought that sounded intriguing, never had tried it. I didn't have any, any kind of gear. So, um, a coworker let me borrow some of his waders. And, um, we met early, early that morning at Robert's house and he gave us just a quick lesson. And so my dad and I jumped in the South Holston river, uh, there in Bristol and started fishing. And I've told people this so many times that my dad will tell me now, oh, I felt so sorry for you. You just were slapping the water back and forth, and you looked so awkward. And <laughs> and he, I said, well, I was trying. But somehow I managed to um, to catch a fish that day, and it was, uh, it was honestly one of the neatest experiences because I was using a very lightweight um, rod. It was probably, I didn't even know what weight rods were, you know, then. Um, I was such a novice, but it was probably a five weight rod. And I just felt every little movement and wiggle of that fish. And I was just thrilled to death. You know, it was probably, I don't know, nine or 10 inches, but I went home that night and, and my mother said, well, did, did you have fun? And I said, honestly, I think today changed my life. I want to learn everything there is to learn about fly fishing. And, um, you know, I've always been a real, um, gear nut and uh, you know I love all kinds of um, outdoor equipment and there were just so many gadgets and things that went along with fly fishing I thought well I'm in heaven this is my this is definitely my thing and so I just um, I don't know I went down the road of just trying to learn everything there was to learn about it from that point on so that's how I got started. That seems to be a common denominator in a lot of guides, um, people I talk to in the industry. Basically, it's an all-in mentality. <laughs> Once you figure out you like it so much, it's just kind of an immersion into the sport. Yeah, that's exactly what happened happened for me. I mean, I couldn't, I, I was really almost obsessed where I just, I couldn't think about hardly anything else. It's, it's just all I wanted to do. I used to be... Um, I was big into mountain biking and I loved to play golf and, you know, I had all kinds of different sports and activities that I enjoyed doing. And, um, and I just, I don't know, I put, I hung everything else up and because any extra free time I had, I just wanted to be out, um, uh, on the stream fishing. That's what I wanted to do. That's awesome. So if, if you were to pick a couple of people that have been influential in your learning curve along the way, and I'm sure there's, you know, there's a lot of influences when we look back over a lifetime of fly fishing, but who would you cite as your key influences? Um, well, I, I would say I've got three specifically. Um, one was um, a fellow that I met just by chance um, out on a river when I was on a job site working um, out near Salt Lake City in Utah. Mm -hmm. um, my background is uh, uh, as a civil engineer, 
and my um, uh, my specialty was in traffic engineering. And so this um, particular project I was working on, I was having to travel back and forth, um, you know, out to Utah. And sometimes I'd spend a week at a time out there. And I had probably been, I would say I've been fly fishing at this point, maybe a little over a year. And so I knew enough to be dangerous. <laughs> I mean, you know, I didn't know all the different flies I needed to use. I didn't know all the techniques. Um, in fact, most times at that point, I was probably just tying on a woolly bugger or maybe a dry fly, um, an Adams or something. But anyway, um, I had gone, I learned about the Middle Provo River, which was only about an hour outside of Salt Lake City. And so I went after work uh, one day, drove over there and um, and I was fishing in this one little area and, and this fella hollered over at me and, and he said, hey, uh, do you fish over here or fish in that area very often? And when I turned around and looked at him, um, he was uh, he was this tall, um, kind of a bulky guy. He had a, um, a really neat uh, Filson hat on and he had a big, long white beard and um, real gruff looking, almost like a Grizzly Adams kind of a guy. And he had this um, huge Newfoundland dog um, that was right there walking with him. And uh, and I looked at him. I said, I've never fished here. I don't, I don't know anything about it. And he goes, well, there's no fish that are there. <laughs> he <laughs> said, there's just not enough cover for them. He said, but I tell you what, if um, if you follow me, I'll, um, I'll take you to a few fishing spots. And so I'm sure it gets my better, my mother's better judgment if she could have seen I promptly got out of the river and I just followed him along, you know, out there in the wilderness and uh, nobody else was around. But anyway, I followed him downstream and, um, and that was the start of, of a terrific friendship. Um, his name was Jim Smith. And so I was on that project for a little over a year. And so I would go back and forth, um, you know, traveling um, to be there on the work site. And there were a bunch of times I would stay over uh, on the weekends just so I could go to that little town of Heber City outside of Salt Lake. And um, I would, would rent this little uh, hotel room and I would meet up. I would see Jim. You know, he'd be out there on the river. And he he taught me how to um, to fish with a strike indicator. Mm-hmm. And he um, he actually gave me a little yarn strike indicator that, you know, I, I treasured. I never wanted to lose. It was a bright orange, big old fluffy indicator. And he um, showed me how to fish uh, a tandem rig, you know, with two flies. And I never knew what a dropper was. And so he explained, you know, the um, fishing uh, with two flies. He showed me how to fish um, a hopper dropper because at the time it was in the summer and the grasshoppers were coming off and you know, I tied just a, um, a little tippet on the end of that grasshopper with a, a little WD-40 fly and just wore them out, you know, just the, hiking my way upstream and casting around those big boulders. And um, and he showed me how to fish um, to streamer fish, and I used um, an olive woolly bugger and would, I mean, just spend hours, you know, casting up against the, the edge of the bank and stripping it in. And, I mean, there was nothing more exhilarating to – um, than to catch a fish that was just slamming those um, those woolly pokers so hard. Hmm. And so he taught me, I mean, in that year, you know, traveling there, uh, he taught me all of those techniques. And I, I owe, I probably owe um, 
a huge amount of my um, fishing um, education to uh, to Jim, and um, and during one of our times out, he asked me, and of course, you know, I hadn't read about fly fishing, so I wasn't real, you know, I didn't read the magazines, and I didn't know any of the personalities in fly fishing, but he um, he asked me, he said, have you ever heard of two women in fly fishing? Uh, one is Lorianne Murphy, and the other is Joan Wolfe. And I said, yeah, nope, haven't ever heard of them. And he said, well, you need to look them up. And if there's any way possible, you need to try and go to um, one of their schools or see if you can get a guide trip set up or something, but just look them up. And so, you know, as soon as I got back to the hotel room, that's exactly what I did. And um, and I found that um, Lorianne Murphy um, was going, she was had a guide school. And, um, and she also was a guide, you know, there in um, Victor, Idaho. It's where she had real women outfitters. Mm-hmm. And so I um, got in touch with her. And, I well, I called the shop and I said, you know, I'm really interested in um, seeing if I could book a trip with Lori Ann. And they said, well, she doesn't do a lot of guiding now. And I said, oh, if she could please make an exception, is there any way I'm, I'm going to be out there in Jackson Hole and I would just love to you know, be able to meet with her. And I'm just so obsessed with um, this fly fishing thing. And they said, well, let's see what she says. So I got a call back and sure enough, she said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Come on out. So that summer I got to meet Laurie Ann and went on a guide trip with her. And, um, and I, you know, was just telling her all about how much I loved fishing. And I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. I thought about it all the time. And, um, she said, you know, you ought to, you should think about maybe coming through our, um, our guide school because it's a, a week long, um, school for women that, you know, you know, are just obsessed with fly fishing and, and are thinking about possibly at one point, um, making it a career. Because at this point, even though it was early in my, my fly fishing, what I was finding was that I was studying it so much and, Anytime I was out on the water, uh, I was enjoying talking to other anglers that were out there and sharing information. And um, I don't know, I just thought, I love this so much. I could just quit my job right this minute <laughs> and be a, I would love to be an instructor or a guide or be good enough to do that. And so, um, right. so anyway, I went through the, uh, the, the guide school and, um, and I just absolutely loved it. It was such a big, big help. So you know, I would have to credit Lorianne um, with just so much of her guidance and um, uh, and support and, um, you know, answering those questions. I think probably that day on the river with her um, and talking through what some of the possibilities were, um, you know, and because she had been a nurse in her former life and, and then switched over to, to be running this um, uh, this outfitter. Uh, I thought, well, you know, if she could do it and she left a professional career, um, maybe I could do that too. So, um, so first Jim Smith and then Lori Ann Murphy. And then soon after I went through the guide school, um, I looked up, uh, Joan Wolf and then, you know, I, I realized, wow, this is, uh, Joan's been around for a while and she is a pretty significant figure, uh, in the fly fishing industry. And she had a, a school uh, where you could sign up and go through classes in um, the Catskills uh, there in upstate New York. So 
I called and, and I decided, well, I'm going to take the casting um, school. It was a weekend long class. And um, so anyway, I flew into um, uh, Binghamton, New York and made my way over to uh, to Lou Beach, Beach and um, stayed there uh, right there near the school at the Beaver Teal Valley Inn. I'll never forget it. And um, and went through the class. And oh, what a wonderful experience that was. And yeah, so um, and then, of course, uh, Joan became much more part of my fly fishing experience after that, um, after that initial introduction. But um, yeah, to answer your question in a very long way, <laughs> uh, Jim Smith, Lori and Murphy and um, uh, Joan Wolf, um, those are those are my three uh, mentors. That's really well put. Some really, really powerful influences and i love the way you tell it so i i you've got the knack for a story so i'm looking forward to hearing about thrasher's <laughs> life fly fishing guide in just a moment but first i want to get to know you susan a little bit uh with a few rapid fire questions you ready for this yes go for it all right when you're on the way to the water a little drive time what's your favorite tunes to listen to on the way what kind of music you got going uh well if it's uh, if I'm in kind of uh, uh, slow, just haven't gotten awake yet, it's um, I really like smooth jazz, mm-hmm. and um, and then I really like if I'm in a really good mood and I'm wide awake and maybe I've had um, an extra big latte. I, I really love old R and B. So, mm-hmm. yep, that's <laughs> good stuff. That's what it is. <laughs> What's your favorite place to talk fly fishing? So if you're in and around Nashville, Tennessee. Is there a coffee shop, a watering hole, a fly shop, somewhere you go to get your fix when you're not on the water? Um, yeah, there's a few shops. I mean, I love um, Cumberland Transit is an outdoor store that's um, um, right in the uh, the middle of Nashville where everybody knows about. Um, it's not just a fly shop. It's an outdoor store that they sell a lot of biking and hiking and camping, you know, type type things. And um, I know the owner, and I know several people that work there that are dear friends really well. So I love going in, you know, if I, especially if I need to pick up fly tying materials. Favorite sports team? Now, being in Nashville, you're surrounded by it. But, I mean, are we talking, if you had to pick a sport, are we talking Titans, Predators? Are we talking Commodores? I love the Tennessee Titans. Ah, just right love on. them. And I have a good friend that uh, she and her husband have season tickets. And every now and then she'll call and just say, uh, we can't go. And so I'm like, I'm right there. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, love football. Right on. Well, they they had a heck of a year last year. They, they, they got pretty close. Yes, they did. Oh, and that was heartbreaking. But you know what? The fact that um, – any time that we can beat the uh, the Patriots, um, I'm awfully happy. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people, that could, a lot of teams that could say that that very thing. <laughs> What's um, Susan? One fly pattern that you can't live without. If you're hitting your favorite river, um, what are you tying on without? You know, more often than not. Um, well, I created this little, and it's it's almost a nothing fly. Um, and I call it the, uh, magic midge. It's, um, uh, and all my friends, they just say it's Thrasher's magic midge. There's absolutely nothing <laughs> to it except for, I think a little magic to it because it catches flies, but it's just a little size 14 scud hook 
and it's got a very thin profile of nothing but black thread, and it's tied on a silver tungsten bead. And it doesn't, you know, I go into fly shops all over the country when I'm fishing and I'll buy, you know, a handful of the absolute must-have flies and it never fails um, that I always put on the magic midge <laughs> and and that's what catches fish. So, I, I, honestly, I think it's more that I have so much confidence in it. Um, that's probably what does the trick, but that's my, that's my go-to so is the magic midge. Silver tungsten bead, black body, what, any rib on that? Nothing. Really? No, it's just black. That's why I said, I guess all you can say is there's a little magic <laughs> that's in it because <laughs> that's what makes it work. Yeah, fair enough. Biggest lesson. And the, the thinner, the better. Oh, 100% with you on that. A biggest yeah. lesson that you have learned through your fly fishing journey. Is there something that kind of stands out if you could pick one thing? I guess probably it's... Um, it's it's not about the number of fish um, that you catch. Um, it's really just about, I know this sounds hokey, but it's really just about the journey getting there. I mean, I, when I wake up in the mornings and get ready to go fishing, as many times, thousands of times as I've been on the river, I am just as excited when I wake up in the morning knowing that I'm getting ready to go fishing <laughs> as I was the, the day that I went on the South Holston or was headed out to the middle Provo to meet up with Jim Smith. I mean, I still get that excited. And sometimes I get, I mean, even the night before, um, and the, the alarm goes off, I don't hit snooze. I'm out of the bed and, um, and raring, raring to go. And so I think what I have learned is to enjoy not actually just, you know, being there standing in the river, which I do, but it's everything about it. It's from tying up a bunch of flies the night before, um, getting all my gear laid out, you know, beforehand, and then enjoying not only being on the on the river during the day and flipping over rocks and you know finding finding bugs, but also um, the drive home and just recounting, okay, no, um, this you know catching this fish at this spot or in this hole in this run, or maybe I lost one. What what did I do? <laughs> what could I done better? So I think just learning to enjoy the entire experience, um, whether you catch anything or you don't. Yeah, that's really well said. And I think that's a common denominator in talking to people. Like I think about the trip to the water, it's the anticipation, the excitement, like you say, even getting your gear out, you're getting ready. You're thinking about what may or may not happen. There's the journey to the water. Then there's the whole experience of the water. It's a full package. And, and I think that's, sometimes we, we overlook that just for the fishing, but when you look back, I think, and all the trips you've done over the years and the good times you've had, it's not just the fishing. Yeah. Yep, so true. When you're not fly fishing, you're doing what? In other words, what do you do when you're away from the water? Well, let's see. Um, I read a lot um, about fly fishing. <laughs> I do a lot of fly tying. Mm-hmm. Um I'm really, I'm kind of a techie, so I enjoy, um, you know, getting on my website and trying to come up with some new ideas, um, uh, you know, ways that I might be able to reach out to folks. Uh, I, I give a lot of presentations at various fly fishing clubs, so, you know, I'm putting together different presentations. Um, I like to uh, to try to do little video clips of um 
you know, different things that I'm talking about, whether it's how to read the water or, um, you know, going through different types of fly patterns and, um, you know, talking about the naturals and, and the imitations. And so I try to come up with different uh, types of presentations, future presentations. And, um, and I run a, um, uh, a club that I started with a friend of mine uh, called the Music City Fly Girls. It, we started it back in 2007 with 15 members and we're up to, believe it or not, we have 70 members now, all women. And so I spend a significant amount of time uh, planning, you know, for, uh, for our monthly meetings. I plan for um, our outings. We go on a couple of big trips every year. And so I spend a, a lot of time uh, doing that. And I, um, I picked up uh, just about two years ago, one of my clients that I was with was a banjo player. And um, I'm not sure if you know what the claw hammer style banjo is, but it's just using your, your thumb and your fingers, um, you know, in picking. And I love the clunky sound of that. Right. And so I mentioned it to him and, um, and he said, well, I'll give you a lesson if you'll give me a double haul lesson. And I said, deal. <laughs> so I started picking up the banjo. So I spent some time practicing on, you know, the few uh, banjo songs um, that I know. And so, yeah, I've got some interests, um, interests like that. Cool. So. We're chatting tonight with Susan Thrasher out of Nashville, Tennessee. Susan has a book coming out shortly called Thrasher's Fly Fishing Guide. I'd like to transition into your book, Susan, if we could, um, and kind of take it back to the beginning. Maybe you can give us a, the lowdown on this. But tell us when Ron Ellis uh, originally floated the idea of a book, kind of where your head was at and, and, and kind of what made you go ahead with this project. Um, well, it was right when he mentioned it to me, it was right after I'd given a presentation to um, the uh, Northern Kentucky Fly Fishing um, Club. And um, Ron enjoyed the presentation. And that's when he came up and said, you should write a book. And and uh, I said, yeah, I've never really been interested in, in doing that. I, I always struggled, you know, even when people asked me to write articles, you know, I could get it done. But it wasn't really an enjoyable um thing for me and so when he mentioned it I was just yeah nope never been on my list <laughs> of to-dos well he he told me that a friend of his was a publisher and in Cincinnati and had a really nice bookstore and they had um, a little coffee shop area and they had wonderful donuts and I've told this to so many people but I love uh, coffee is one of my top things Probably if I had to name three things in life that I love the most, coffee's one of them. And um, donuts are, it's pretty close up there. <laughs> so I said, you got me with the donuts and coffee. I don't want to write a book, but I will go and meet him because it sounded like a cool shop and, and I'll go for the maple donut. So anyway, once I got there uh, to the bookstore, we had such a nice, um, just a pleasant talk. And, but I still wasn't convinced. And, um, so they told me, why don't you just think about it on your drive home and, you know, let us know if it's something you might be interested in. And my one of my biggest, um, I guess, feelings for feeling so reluctant uh, was that there are so many wonderful authors out there and so many great books. And I just thought, you know, there's so much that's already been written. I don't want to rehash, 
you know, all these things. And um, so how could I approach it that would be different than anyone else? And it just, it was the neatest thing driving home. I just remember, you know, thinking the the one thing probably that made me different from any of the other folks um, that I had met was uh, having the experience with the Music City Sly Girls, this uh, this women's fishing club. And, um, you know, a lot of the travels uh, that we've done, we, you know, we've gone to, obviously, uh, the Middle Provo in Salt Lake, since I spent so much time there uh, fishing, I, I could easily guide it. So, um, you know, I've taken trips with our Fly Girls, we'd have 10 or 12 at a time, you know, that, that flew out and spent a long weekend uh, fishing there. And, We've, we fished in Montana. We fished in California, uh, in the high Sierras. Um, we fished, uh, uh, just last year we, we fished on the Bow River and, um, up on the, uh, the Old Man, um, and some of the tributaries there, uh, in Canada and loved every minute of it. And so I thought, you know, maybe I could do an approach to fly fishing, um, that's kind of encompasses how I started fly fishing and then move into the fly girls and tell the story about our fly girls. And, you know, over the 12 years, all of the trips that we've taken and, and then um, tell folks, okay, if you're interested in going to the San Juan river and you, you do it like the music city fly girls, which, which is always um, we want a really nice clean place. That's fun, but inexpensive. (laughs) If you want, if you want to go that route, Here's what we did. Here's the guides we used. Here's the places we stayed. And, um, you know, so it's kind of like not only a how to, but a story on some, some fun experiences. And then also, um, you know, some recommendations on trips and, and contacts. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I actually was, um, impressed with how straightforward and straight ahead and, and no BS you made it just kind of cut into the chase. Here's, here's what you need to do. Because I think when somebody comes to fly fishing, there's so much to know, right? It can be overwhelming. And if you hop in on an entomology conversation for the first time, you'd be like, what in the world are they talking about? But the, the way you broke it down, (laughs) I, 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 kudos to you because I, I did read it and I, I appreciate you sending me a copy and, um, I think you made it very straightforward and you've got some, some humorous parts in there that I really got a kick out of. And I, um, th- there was just, I just liked your approach. There was a no kind of, um, oh, thank you. all inclusive, all in. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, that's what I was aiming for. So if that's what you think, then I accomplished my goals. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you, what did you get out of? Like, what was your takeaway after writing this? Because it's one thing, I think, you know, we all have thoughts in our head and and life experience, but when you actually put it on paper and you sit back and you look at it, tell us us what you got out of that journey. Um, I think it was was a real learning experience for for me um, as well. I mean, I, I would sit down and try to write each one of the chapters, and I knew just based on my own experiences, the things that were confusing to me or that I, I felt like I didn't know. And then to, um, as I would go down and, and start talking about, you know, some of the how to's, there were some things that I wasn't quite sure of, or maybe I thought I knew. And I just wanted to look up several references just to make sure I had it right. And it, 
it was interesting to see how much um, more experience uh, and knowledge that I gained myself. You know, some things um, I knew and it was, you know, right on the money. And then there were other things that, oh, I was almost there. But if I just added a few more examples, I think it could make it even that much more clear. And so um, I remember Joan Wolf telling me that when she was writing her books, that she found that she learned uh, as she was teaching that it helped her to even learn more. And, uh, you know, the, uh, you, you almost grow in your own knowledge when you put things down on paper uh, for yeah. others. That, so that was my, that was my biggest takeaway. <laughs> that's really well put because I find that too. Like I think of, and not even in fly fishing, but say self-help books, self-help books. When you, when you read something you know to be true, it kind of reconfirms it. But when you're putting it down in your own words, it's, it's almost, I don't know how to verbalize it properly, but when, when, it's, when, you, when you read it and you already know it, you know it to be true. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it just reiterates it. And I, I, I would imagine that's quite a, uh, a fulfilling thing to do, to sit down and, and, and write. I mean, so if I understand this correctly, uh, Susan, you're one of only seven uh, certified Wolf's uh, School of Fly Fishing instructors. Is that is that accurate? Um, well, we don't call them certified instructors. I mean, we're there's seven um, actual staff members, okay. um, you know, that teach there, and um, and we rotate. You know, sometimes there may only be you know four or five uh, staff members that are needed. Um, you know, depending on the size of the class, but there are seven of us that can be called upon. Uh, Sheila Hassan is is the lead instructor, and um, and so yeah, so there's seven of us yeah. that do that. So now, when your when your book Thrasher's Fly Fishing Guide comes out, and we're recording this in 2020 in April, so when when can we anticipate it coming out? Because I know there's a, obviously a lot going on these days with uh, with media and kind of there's delays on just about everything. But when can we look for the book, Susan? Um, as of right now, the publishing date uh, was rescheduled to June the 9th. Okay. Um, which I think is is really a blessing. It was supposed to be mid-May, but it's going to be tough. It may be tough for people to get out and get it um, unless they order it online. But um, um, June 9th, that's the date, okay. and, and I'm happy with that. So it, here it comes. And this will be available through Amazon and your usual uh, usual spots to buy online? Yes. Yeah, cool. All right. Yes, absolutely. And there's quite a few of the fly shops that are picking it up, and Barnes and & Noble, and target and i mean there's quite a few places that will be picking it up but um but absolutely on amazon no question awesome i i want to ask you a couple of kind of i call them philosophical questions but something that i always like to ask my guests is is there anything that you think as fly fishers we could be doing better or differently um is there anything that uh that comes to mind um i think uh and a lot of people do this and it's probably just people's personalities, but, um, I think maybe just keeping in mind, um, you know, if, if you're an experienced fly fisher, um, remember where you started. And I just, you know, I remember being so frustrated and seeing people all around me, uh, in my early stages, uh, 
catching fish and I wasn't catching anything. And, you know, people would walk, walk by and say, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, uh, having a good time. And they're like, well, you know, I've caught about 20 today. It's a good day. And that was so deflating. <laughs> and so I think um, just, uh, you know, being being kind maybe with yeah. when you pass people that don't seem like they're doing such a great job. Um, also, if you see other people, if you're just wearing them out in one hole and, you know, you see other people that are all around you that would love to be standing there, you know, if you've caught your share, move on and let somebody else have a chance to get in there and try it out. And and I've always, I really think that when you share information with people and, you know, I have no problems telling folks if I float by them in the drift boat and, you know, uh, if they say that they haven't, they haven't done very well that day, you know, I'll tell them the, exactly what we're using and the size and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, say, well, if you've got any of these in your box, you know, put them on. And I think just, you know, anytime that you reach out and you share Um, it always seems to come back at you. So, um, you know, and sometimes more, more than you even deserve, it comes back at you. So, uh, just remembering probably, I think we could do better, uh, remembering that we all started, uh, as beginners and, um, given that helping hand. There's a quote I always, uh, it's one of my favorite quotes is it talks about gravity as with gravity, what goes up comes down, but as with energy, and helping people, what goes out comes back, right? It's, it's, it's not just up and down. And yeah. I, you know, that's, that's really well put. I think there's a lot of ego sometimes, you know, yeah, I've caught 27 fish today. It's like, okay, <laughs> did I really need to know that? I just tell you how, the, I asked you how the day was going. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I think sometimes yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've lived that many, many times. And I, it's, uh, sometimes it, it, it can be humbling, but we, we need to be more humble sometimes when we're talking about our day, I think. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But then sometimes it's kind of, on one hand, it's kind of nice to know too, because if you haven't done something, if you haven't caught anything and you know that someone else is wearing them out, then you know, there's hope. There's a possibility that if you land on the right fly or if you change the thinner tippet or, you know, fish a little bit deeper, get down a little faster, all those things, you know, it just makes you want to dig a little deeper and, okay, how can I, how can I be better? So I guess there's two sides to it. That's really well said because it's not always just the fly, right? Like you said, it could be the tippet. It could be, could be a numerous, could be the type of line you're using. And I think sometimes we, we tend to oversimplify it and say, well, I'm obviously don't have the, the right pattern on, but maybe if you would have gone to a six X tippet, it would have been a little different. Right. Yep. And I'm a, honestly, I'm a firm believer that, and there's going to be a lot of people that probably disagree with this, but I believe if you have a fly that you, that you usually you feel like you're going to catch fish with, if you fish it properly, you fish it with, like I said, the, the right tippet, and you have um, a good drift and you're getting right down to where um, the fish are feeding, it's really not going to make that big of a difference what the fly is. If, you know, if it's getting down where it needs to be and you put it in front of the fish, they're going to eat it if it's floating by naturally. And I, I really believe that. So it, I'm not one of these constant fish uh, fly changers. I know the ones that are going to work. I'll try some new patterns. But I know what works uh, for me. So if I'm out there and 
and and I'll try some, like I said, I'll experiment. I love doing that, especially if the fish are really feeding um, and I'm, I'm having a bang up day, then I'll try a new pattern um, just to see if it's going to work. And, um, and I enjoy doing that, but, but I am a firm believer in confidence size. No, no doubt. hundred percent. I could not agree with you more because if you have doubt, then, then everything's lost, right? It's like, if you happen to catch a fish, it's almost like, Oh, look, I got one. But when, and I agree with you when, yeah. when you, when you want to get creative and try something different, when you're not catching anything, usually then is not the time. It's when you're going lights out. And that is like, not the time. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Not the time. Cause it, it, you, you won't have any confidence in it. But when you're going lights out and, and you're getting fish after fish, I mean, what could go wrong? Try something different. See if it works. And if it doesn't, you can always go back. But it's, yeah, that's uh, that's really well put. And I think a lot of amateurs like myself to fly fishing, that's a lesson. Like, I, I know, that's the first thing I do is, like, oh, i got to change the fly. Well, maybe it's the depth or maybe it's the location. You know, there's, there's more than one aspect that we need to look at rather than just, uh, you know, snipping that leader. Yes. Yep. That's exactly it. I'm going to ask you to put your artist hat on Susan for a second and paint us a picture, a picture of your perfect day on the water, your day, your way. Like when does it start in the morning? What type of fish are you targeting? Uh, what, what type of water are you on? What species? Um, maybe just walk us through that a little bit. Okay. Um, so I have, um, I have a, a small, very, very small spring Creek, um, that I love to fish. I mean, of all the places I've fished probably all over, <laughs> it's my absolute favorite place to go. It's, um, it's crystal clear, takes a little bit of time to drive there. So I'm usually up by, I don't know, four or four thirty. Um, uh, I love coffee, like I said, so I grind, I, I've been roasting my own coffee. So I, um, I grind my beans and um, do a quick uh, um, AeroPress and hop in the car and takes me about an hour and 45 minutes or so to get there. Uh, the last few years, I've really gotten into Euro-nymphing. And so um, so I have um, a 10-foot uh, two-weight uh, Epiphany rod by Moonshine that I absolutely love. And mm-hmm. so I um, I would take that out and rig up a couple of, um, of my favorite flies. I really like a Frenchie. And, and so I tie up a bunch of Frenchies. Um, I love the red dart. Um, oh gosh, I, I just love all of those, uh, those patterns. Um, but anyway, I'd probably tie on a couple of those, maybe, um, a big old, um, Pat's rubber leg stone fly. I love those. And I would walk on out to the, um, to the head of this little stream and, and start fishing. And I mean, the fish typically they're it's, um, they're wild rainbows and, um, they're typically about, I don't know, maybe eight, eight to 10 inches, a 12 incher, you know, is pretty exciting to pick up, but I have caught a number of, um, 16 inch, 18 inch and a 20 inch out of that little tiny stream. Wow. So you just never know what you're going to run into. Um, so that is my perfect day. Either I'm by myself or I'll take one other person along with me. Um, but if I have any place around um, middle Tennessee or all of Tennessee or even going into Kentucky or Arkansas, 
if I have one day off and it's going to be me fishing, even though I live right on a beautiful tailwater, hmm. um, that little tiny creek is where I want to be. So is there so, at, at, at the that's end? That's the picture. <laughs> I like it. You paint a good one. At the end of the day, is there a glass of wine or some bourbon or some whatever? Uh, nice meal, campfire. Uh, well, let's. I love a campfire. Boy, that that right is up there with coffee too. So yeah, I'm. Um, you'll see me every now and then with a, a really nice glass of uh, Cabernet. I love it <laughs> for sure. Right on. It's always a good way to close out a day like that and you paint you paint a very good good picture and you know what I, susan i really want to thank you for for taking the time to uh, chat with us today i really look forward to uh, seeing your book on the short on the store shelves or getting it online through amazon um have you got any social media that you can get out there for us where we can find you online for uh, your fishing adventures and and what's going on with your your current book oh sure it's um uh, so on Instagram, it's uh, at Southern Brookies, and um, it's the same uh, on Facebook as well as Southern Brookies. Perfect. Well, keep up the good work. Appreciate what you're doing, and have yourself just a, a great season on the water. Okay. Well, hopefully it'll start up soon, so I'm excited about it. But thanks so much for having me. You asked some great questions. Cheers. You've been listening to a chat with Susan Thrasher. Susan is out of Nashville, Tennessee. She runs Southern Brookies, guide, author. She's one of seven Wolf's School of Fly Fishing instructors out of Nashville, Tennessee. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.